Follow-up is key to success in this business. Wholesaling, you have to follow up with your leads. Did you know that 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect? 25% of salespeople make the second contact and stop. 12% of salespeople make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Here's where it gets really interesting, guys. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. And here's the powerhouse. 80% of sales are made on the fifth through twelfth contact. What does that mean for you? It means you need to follow up with your leads. You need to set your follow-up on autopilot by using a CRM. Visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM to learn more about the CRM that the discount property investors are using in their business. You can follow up with text, email, voicemails, all automatically. Get to the 5th and 12th contact faster and close more deals. Again, visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back. Discount Property Investors. This is David Dodge and co-host. Mike Slane. Hey, guys, been a while. Dave and I uh, have not been super consistent on the podcast, but we're looking forward to our next topic. Uh, we're going to dive in pretty extensively into what we've been up to. So you guys know us as wholesalers, and we love that you guys know us as wholesalers. We're happy to share that information and help you guys do wholesale deals. Obviously, you can check that out at freewholesalecourse.com. That's our favorite little uh, baby, I'd say, mm -hmm. that we've uh, put out there for the world. We've got how many people? Like 5,000 or so. Mm -hmm. um, Close to hundreds, 5, hundreds of uh, positive reviews. And again, it's it's just our, whenever, when somebody asks us out to coffee, it's our kind of way of saying, hey, check this out first, and then I'm happy to come chat yeah, with you. Because exactly. we want to get them up to kind of up to speed on what, what this wholesaling thing is. Um, so anyways, we love wholesaling, but we also... Uh, we see it as a job, and what we're passionate about now is, well, wholesaling, real estate in general, uh, but we're, we're building a portfolio of rental properties for ourselves, and we're, we're really excited about the way that we're doing it. Uh, we did not invent this. Uh, we're just following the model, and we want to share that with you. So today we're talking about, Dave, diving into Burr. Diving into Burr. Yeah. Why rentals? Exactly. So everybody gets into real estate and then everybody finds out that there's no freedom in real estate. <laughs> so then they're like, they get into real estate because they want the freedom, I should say. And then they start doing real estate and it's hard work. You're constantly busting your ass to get a deal and make money. So why rental property? Well, rental property allows you to invest in real estate and get the freedom, okay? Most people don't get that. There's not a connection there. 
but you get freedom through rentals. And it's maybe not freedom today, but it will give you freedom later in life. But if you get enough rentals, you can have freedom today. Yeah, let's talk about it's that. It's all about the cash so flow the, and everything else. The so, freedom aspect of it is what's really funny because uh, we actually, so we're refinancing one of our rentals and one of the bankers was, he was like, he, he's happy. He's done maybe 10, 15 loans for us. Uh, but he said, yeah, you guys aren't getting rich off this one. And I just kind of <laughs> sat there and smiled and was like, you're absolutely right, but uh, we've got 40 of them or whatever. So it's like... You're absolutely wrong is what yeah. I was thinking. Well, I know I was. I rich, was just like, yeah, rich is the wrong term. I'm not trying to get rich off you're this You're going to get wealthy over in the next 15 years off this thing. But, yeah. So yeah. it's just, again, it's just that mindset. Like people just don't quite understand that that 300 bucks a month that we're going to cash flow on this property, it is going to make us rich. It is going to buy us that freedom. Mm-hmm. Like that is 300 bucks every month forever just about mm-hmm. and then way more once we pay off that loan so it's pretty exciting and we love uh yeah we just we just love rentals so again that's your freedom you know it's not mm-hmm. one rental uh it's probably 10 you know 10 paid off and you're gonna be rocking you know again i don't know what your freedom number is and we can we can delve into that later mm-hmm. but uh, let's talk a little, a little bit more why rentals so one that freedom right dave we love that freedom mm-hmm. uh let's talk about the tax benefits right multiple tax benefits so you don't get of all in real estate you don't get those tax benefits necessarily when you are wholesaling that's uh, true wholesaling you're generating a good Quick chunk of change. sums of cash yeah which is awesome everybody loves a good payday but you're gonna have to pay income taxes on that for the most part mm-hmm. Uh, so again, what are some of the deductions, Dave, that we see when uh, we own rental properties? Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about the deductions and the tax deductions. So, or how uh, it's how the tax benefits you. How, how the tax yeah, how it benefits you. you. So you have deductions. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest deduction is going to be your interest on your loan. So most people are buying rentals with mortgages on them, and uh, that's what we teach our students to do as well. Um, and all the interest that you pay to the bank, the mortgage company, you can write that off as a deduction on your taxes. Um, All the repairs that you make on that home, you can write those off. If you're traveling to and from that property, you can write that off. You can write off a small portion of your home that you live in to have a home office. And then the uh, the biggest deduction, in my opinion, is kind of a hidden one and it's called depreciation. So in the state of Missouri where we live, you can depreciate the property one over 27 and a half years. And the reason that it's one over 27 and a half is because two lawmakers argued about how long it should be. One said 25, one said 30, and they said, let's meet in the middle. I did not know that. So you you can, the, is that national or is that just Missouri? I think it's, it could be national. We'll, yeah. look, we'll look into that, but I know for 100% fact that it does that in Missouri. And um, so that's what you do. You take the value of what you paid for the property, not the, co- not, not, the, not the value, I should say. You take the cost of what you paid, what you have invested into that property, and you divide that by 27 and a half. And every year, you get to deduct that from your taxes. So why is that important? Well, this benefit, the, like, let's say you buy a rental, for example and you get to do all these new deductions, all right, for having this rental. And you have uh, interest, repairs, travel, some a home office, depreciation, um, et cetera. And let's say that the income on the property was less than those deductions. Well, then you can then offset other income that you make 
by owning real estate. So having real estate can actually save you money in taxes versus increase it. So that's an asset that you buy that not only makes you wealthy over time, we're gonna get into how uh, right next, but it can actually save you money every year on your taxes just by owning it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very cool. So that brings up another thing that uh, Dave reminded me of, which is one of the coolest things about it, or two of the coolest things rather, is uh, is the when you pass away, Ooh, you're tax able benefits. to yeah, you're able to transfer this yes. to your heirs. That's true. So it doesn't matter if you have the home in a trust. Doesn't matter if you have it in an LLC. Anytime that you own a piece of real estate and you die and you pass that real estate on, I believe that the the way that it works with the current laws of inheritance are is you own that property and the, the new value of it is the basis, like the, the basis resets. So whatever the current value is, is that's what you're, you start your taxes at because you only pay taxes when there's a gain. So let's say that you bought a piece of property and you owned it for 30 years, but you depreciated it over the first 27 and a half years. At the end of that 27 and a half years, you can no longer depreciate that property on your taxes because you've depreciated it to zero. So if you were alive and you wanted to sell it, your new tax basis is a lot lower. So your profit would be zero to that number. It wouldn't be what you paid for it plus that number. So that is the only downside to depreciation, which you kind of mentioned. But there's a caveat to that. There's a caveat And again, so all this tax stuff, we're talking about all these tax benefits. You definitely want to have a CPA Mm -hmm. help you with this. We are not professionals in this. We have CPAs. We have multiple CPAs. With all of our taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Again, but we're just talking in general about why we like real estate and what they help us do. Sure. Um, So yeah, the inherent, so the caveat to that though is the 1031 exchange. Yes. So Love me the 1031 exchange. Again, completely forgot about this one. So Mm -hmm. a 1031 exchange essentially uh, let me pull up kind of a, a little cheat here. It's a way to defer your recognition of that capital gain. Mm-hmm. So you buy the property or you sell the property that you've depreciated. And if you invest that income into another property, you're able to defer that uh, gain. That's essentially Absolutely. your understanding. So right? let, yeah. let, let, let me say one thing. Mm-hmm. This is a, a law that the IRS wrote. So they're basically telling you how to not pay taxes, all right? So the the tax law, look up how many pages is the United States tax law. A lot. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, please. I want to say it's 27,000 or something like that. There you go. 73,954 pages of tax code, okay? So there's a little secret, guys. Here's a little secret, all right? (laughs) <laughs> Only about five of those pages tell you when when you need to pay and where. Okay? Everything else is a law to defer tax or to avoid it. Okay? That's all these pages are. All right? So, back to our... The outline there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 1031 exchange, what we were the ten, talking oh, about. Oh, the 1031. So, this is created by the government. And what it does is... It allows you to not pay taxes on a gain. So back to what I was going with is about all this tax code, right? Well, taxes are written by the rich to protect the rich, okay? That's the only reason that you have taxes. Now, taxes are something that the government takes from you to help support the infrastructure, 
right? So they tax income. This is very important. They tax income. They do not tax wealth, okay? So if you are able to create wealth, you don't have to pay any tax. If you wanna, if you wanna sell that wealth and realize it, you get income and that's taxed. So income is taxed, okay? That's, I wanted to go with that. So, so to avoid getting taxed on your income, you can use a 1031 exchange. And essentially, a third party holds your money, a title company or a lawyer or a 1031 exchange company will hold your money and then you can go buy another asset with it and um, not pay those taxes. So it's a way to, to defer it. Love it. Pretty clever. Yeah, Very so cool. there's some of the tax benefits of owning real estate. Uh, or rental properties, essentially. Uh, the next topic would be leverage. So why do we like rentals so much? You can leverage them. Oh, Mike, when's the last time that you walked into a bank and said, I wanna borrow 100 grand and I wanna invest it into Microsoft and Apple stock? I've tried and they say no pretty much every time. They say no. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. So, I mean, again, you could get a credit card maybe and get a cash yeah, advance isn't that weird and, though uh, that, gamble that. You know, and like that's a pretty significant asset owning a, a share of stock in a in a major you know fortune 500 company banks aren't gonna lend you banks don't that. care about it but yeah. banks lend on real estate yeah so, so it why, makes it good for us and why is that again i think it's because it's a real asset there's something <laughs> tangible there um and it's just i don't know it's what they do right well it's very unique you know these companies can issue more stock True. You can't create more land unless you live in Dubai. Mm -hmm. then, they <laughs> then they build. Islands. Or if we make it to Mars, right? right? There we you might go. be. We might be there. Someday. But in our current state, you can't build more land. There's only so much United States of America. You can't really make more of it. Okay. And the banks will will use that as collateral, and they will loan to you, and they will give you loans sometimes up to 100% of what you have invested. Right, so how do you leverage your money though, Dave? So the way that you do that is, um, well, let's talk about a conventional mortgage. Okay. So a conventional mortgage, let's say uh, property's $100,000, mm -hmm. just for easy math, and you wanted to buy that. Well, if you put all $100,000 into that property, you could mm -hmm. do that, mm -hmm. and you'd have zero leverage on it. You'd have zero, um, you'd have all your money tied up and none of anyone else's. Your loan to it's value. Your money. It's 100% or 0%. 0%, yeah. But a conventional loan, let's just say it's a 20%. You have to bring 20% to the table. Mm -hmm. it, of that $100,000 house, then you only have to bring $20,000. So that means you still have $80,000 in your pocket to either spend or to invest. So with that same $100,000. Yeah, you can acquire an asset for for a, for a small percentage of what you'd actually have to pay. Well, you could go Somebody out. Somebody else will help you pay it. Let's just use the $100,000 example. Okay. I could then go out and buy four more houses. So I could buy five houses with, with that $100,000. If I had 80% financing on each one. Absolutely. Right. Love so that. So how much asset do I control at that point? I control half a million dollars worth of assets with my 100,000. So 100, I've 000. leveraged that out. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, yeah, it's just, that's essentially what you wanna do with real estate, especially when markets are going up. Everybody loves it. Let's yes. leverage out that money, it's cheap money. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get as much of it as we can. Our we goal is to have, your... nice, <laughs> that's right, STL. Uh, yeah, so again, you wanna leverage out your money as far as possible right now, that's what we're doing. Uh, we're trying to get as much debt as we can, as mm -hmm. much good debt as we but can. But it's good debt, absolutely, it's not bad debt. So let's get into the, why it's good debt. So. Um, let's let's come back to, to this one. So we have um, 
good debt and we have bad debt. So let's talk about this. Bad debt is debt that you have to pay, right? That's how I look at it. And good debt is debt that you have, but you don't pay it. Somebody else pays it for you, all right? So you're paying it off, but you're not having to go work for that money to pay it off. You're just waiting. So you're trading time for wealth. And again, we talked about this earlier, you're only taxed when you have income. You are not taxed whenever you create wealth. So the name of the game is to create wealth. Yeah, baby. Wealth think? is wealth is where it's at. You don't uh, I I'd rather be wealthy than rich. Yeah. Wealthy is wealthy is yeah. the way to go. Mm -hmm. So wealth creation. So Dave mentions this. So we talk about real estate in this and it's one of the gosh, I wish I remember the quote. Uh, real estate is like the number one asset that has created more wealth or more millionaires than anything else. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Right. So that's why, again, real estate's very exciting to us. Um, so you've got an asset that typically is going to appreciate. And if you leverage that asset, you're going to have a loan on it. But if it's a rental property, you're going to have someone else paying down that loan for you. On and on top of that, you're going to make cash flow. Right. So they're going to pay that note down for you. I mean, obviously, they're paying you and you're going to pay the mortgage but they're paying down that mortgage for you and you get to keep a little extra money yep. for, for that for that uh, privilege mm -hmm. of owning real estate. That extra money is called cash flow. That's awesome. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So let's come back to cash flow. Let's talk about the value of these properties that we are buying, all right? these The whole deal here is buying rentals. So we're gonna go out and we're gonna buy a rental and we're gonna get tax benefits. We're gonna use leverage from the bank. And then we're gonna talk about appreciation now. So this this asset in theory is going to be worth more at a later date. It's not guaranteed and you're going to have to upkeep the property to keep it in the same condition, if not better, when you sell it to, to get appreciation. You can't let the house fall apart. It yeah, doesn't a, work that that's way. That's a really good point. You have to keep the maintenance up for appreciation to even be a factor. However, if you maintain the house properly, one could say that over time, the value of that house will increase and it will increase for several reasons. One being just inflation in general. When your dollar has a lower buying power, typically things cost more and they have more value. Mm -hmm. So that's one way, all right? Another way is again, like we talked about earlier, is scarcity of land. You can only build on so many feet until there's no more left, all right? So over time, it you have uh, appreciation. Mike, Jump in and tell us a little bit about appreciation. Absolutely. So we wanted to talk, touch on uh, NAR, the National Association of Realtors. They uh, published some data about the uh, rising prices. And this was from 1968 until about 2004. The average price increase was 6.5% uh, during this period. And they said there was not a single year of decline. Uh, so again, Historically, housing prices go up. Now, we all know what happened in 2007, 2008. We had that bubble and a big crash. Well, since then, uh, we have seen we saw the real estate market stumble, and then it, it picked up again. Did you and say that it increased 6.5%? Yeah, annually. Over from 1968 to 2004? To 2004. Wow. Yeah, That's so awesome. it's a 36-year period, 6.5% gain. So, again, we plan on our assets appreciating, but to us... The cash flow is first. That's our favorite part of it. The appreciation is really just uh, icing on the cake. And that's a shout out to that's Jason a... <laughs> Hartman. I like his Creating Wealth podcast. Mm, nice. uh, so I'm going to throw him a little plug yeah. there. And that's what he says. He says cash flow is key. 
appreciation is the icing on the cake. And I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. That is the way that I look at it as well. I really couldn't even care about appreciation because it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. However, and- And you it, have little control over it. You have little control over it. But and another thing too, don't forget, in order to ever even have a chance at appreciation, you have to maintain that house. That house needs to be in good condition when you sell it. If, it, if it's falling apart or deteriorating from lack of maintenance, you can you should not expect any appreciation. That's why we buy houses all the time that they're not, for they're not getting any appreciation and it's because they've let those houses go. Exactly. That's how we find apart. deals is by finding people that have let houses go, they get none of that. Right. What's next on that list then? So the next one on the list, excuse me, the uh, the cash flow. Do I have this? No, I'm right. So cash flow. Uh, we want to talk about a couple things. How we calculate cash flow and how other people do it. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of ways to calculate cash flow. We And again, I think we just like the KISS method. Keep it simple. Yeah. I mean, again, it, there's no reason to overcomplicate things. So when we look at our cash flow, we have a little formula, and we could share this with you guys. Uh, but we basically look at what the property is going to rent for, uh, what our mortgage is, what our and a, a mortgage, and I include our insurance and taxes in that, uh, what our property management is, and then we include a little vacancy and maintenance. Mm -hmm. Usually use about 10% for that for, for reserves. So that's how we calculate cash flow. That's what's important to us. That's exactly right. I mean, I don't know, that's do you it. want to add anything? I mean, nope. that's that's basically that's how all we there is calculate to it. it. So it, it, to look at the 10,000 foot view, all cash flow is, is just, it just means the difference of what you have to pay and what you receive. So you just can't forget to include all those things that you have to pay because sometimes those those costs might not even be um, a cost, but they'll just be a lack of income, hence vacancy. So yes, Mike, I love it. You nailed it, man. Yeah, so I mean, it's pretty easy. So then how do other people do it? So there's all sorts of phrases and we can, we're gonna talk about each of those a little bit. Uh, the cash on cash return. So, Dave, so cash on cash is awesome. So it, your cash on cash return goes up with leverage. Yeah, and that's beautiful, okay? So leverage is tied to a cash on cash return. So if I invest $100 into um, an asset and I sell it a year later for $200 with no loan, okay, I have a 100% cash on cash return on that example. Now, if I get a loan for $80 and I invest $20, so I'm getting a loan like I would on a house, and I have an asset worth 100 now, now, but I'm only into it for 20, and a year later I sell it for 200, and I'm only in it for 20, I pay back that 80, and I have now 120. So I didn't just go from 20 to, um, I'm losing my train of thought. It's all good. It's all good. We get the yeah. we get the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So and again, it's uh, the other way you can look at it is your annual cash on cash return if you calculate using the rental income. Right. So say uh, same example. We'll use twenty hundred whatever. Uh, so if we put the twenty percent into it and we are realizing say five thousand annually from that property. Uh, so call it, I'm making it thousands. That would be uh, five thousand over that twenty thousand, or twenty-five uh, percent cash on cash return right. annually. Yeah. So again, there's different ways to look at it. So that's your cash on cash return. 
A lot of people uh, use cap rates too, man. Cap rates are big in multifamily yeah, or like just, commercial properties. Yeah, so we'll talk about cap rates, man. People I'm not are, a big fan of using cap do rates. I. I don't like them. But people use them. They use them a lot. So The big boys use them. And yeah, I guess you'd say I that. Guess I'm just a small I fish. I guess if you're you know? dealing with a lot of money and you're, you know, really you're looking for just a simple ratio. I, I think this is a pretty simple ratio. But the capitalization rate, or cap rate for short, is commonly used in real estate and refers to the rate of return on a property based on the net operating income that property generates. In other words, a capitalization rate is a return metric that is used to determine the potential return on investment or payback of capital. That's what the cap rate is. So your cap rate basically equals your net operating income over your current market value of the asset. It's a small ratio. So cap rate equals NOI, net operating income, over the current value of that asset. And I think it's kind of silly, man. People are always saying, oh, it's a 14 cap, it's an 18 cap. The problem is that... And some 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 of these big firms will buy a 6 or an 8 cap. They'll buy at the lower percentages because so they just don't care. Well, there's different... Well, they care. They, it's care. Just they just don't need that, that higher return. It's they want different, more stable. Right, they have different goals. Theirs right. is really uh, wealth... I would say conservation or preservation, sure, as opposed to creation, wealth creation. Yeah. So again, when you're looking to, to grow as fast. exactly, when you're looking to invest assets and maintain them, then yeah, those lower cap rates and steadier, more stable investments make sense. Uh, when you're like us and you're trying to create wealth, it's definitely time to, um, you know, maybe kick the cap rate to the side and focus on your cash flow. Uh, it just makes more sense for somebody who's starting out. Again, if you're again, like I said, I'm a small fish. It's the way I like to see myself, and I like to focus on cash flow. I understand it; it makes sense to me. Yeah. So that's where cash where flow I'm at. is easy. So that's cap rates. Again, we pretty well ignore them. Doesn't make it the right thing to do. But again, as a single-family investor, uh, I wouldn't get caught up in cap rates. I wouldn't focus on that. I think that's kind of a uh, you're spinning your wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Focus on the cash flow you're going to make from that asset day one. So let's that's recap, guys. Why rental properties? We have tax benefits. Lots of them. Mm-hmm. We can use leverage with the bank to buy properties that we might not be able to afford because we can get a loan from those banks or those institutions. The value of this property, assuming that you don't let it go to shit, is going to appreciate over time. And as Mike said, it's icing on the cake. So there's you know a couple things that go with that. But over time, time is the biggest variable there. You should, you should expect some appreciation. Um, you can use the real estate, the rental, to create income by renting it, and you charge a higher rent than you owe in all of your bills, and you create an extra or an overage. Boom, that's your cash flow, okay? And then there's wealth creation. We talked about wealth creation. Um, by all of these factors, you are not taxed on wealth creation. You are only taxed on income. So you are deferring these payments. Essentially, someone else is paying down a debt that you have versus you them just paying you, which then it would be realized. So it's a guaranteed way to save too. Each house essentially is a small piggy bank when you buy it. And over 10 or 15 years when you can pay that down, that piggy bank's as big as a car filled with $100 <laughs> bills. It's awesome, okay? Um, so there, every one of these, of these reasons all leads, it all flows downhill into wealth creation. The tax benefits are parts of that. 
The leverage increases your cash on cash return. It's part of that. The value of the property is going up. It's part of that. It's, a, it's creating extra money. That's part of wealth creation. All of this is part of wealth creation. So what's the cool Which leads us to freedom, which we started with. That's right. I love it. I was going to say freedom, man. That's what the name of the game is. Uh, Dave and I, well, I know I personally started I can't out. wait to have 150 piggy banks the size of cars, man. That's right, man. We're, we're, that's the direction we're headed. It's going to be cool. Uh, so we will. We're going to share some of our stories with you on what we're doing with this Burr method. Uh, and how we're building our rental portfolio. Yeah, I think a lot of our episodes moving forward are going to be about Burr because that's truly where you get freedom, guys. We love wholesaling. We're, we're going to always be talking wholesaling because that's how we find the deals to turn into rentals. We like to buy them direct from the seller. We like to um, buy them at a little value with a short, small little rehab, and then we refinance out. That's how we buy our rentals. It's the Burr method. We love it. Right now, we have how many rentals on the board or how many doors? Let's talk about doors. 14, 18, 28, well, 28, 38, about 43, 45, something like 43 that. 43 to 45 yeah, right now currently. we've got about six or eight in the pipeline. So keep listening, guys. We're going to be talking a lot about this on future episodes. We are going to get to 150 in the next two years. Mark my words. We can't wait. Anything you want to end with, Mike? I wish we could do it by the end of this year, baby. That'd I know. Yeah, uh, that'd be good. We got three or four under contract right now as we speak, so we're gonna be we're gonna be doing good. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.